Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. When the Bay Area went into COVID lockdown in 2020, food banks saw the need for their services balloon almost overnight. Grocery shopping suddenly became much more dangerous for high-risk individuals, and many people lost their jobs abruptly. The financial fallout from the pandemic crisis is triggering a hunger crisis. Food banks are struggling to find new ways to help record numbers of Americans who are out of work. Funding and mutual aid efforts also surged, and food banks rose to the occasion, rolling out new services like home delivery and creating pop-up pantries. But even as pandemic pressures have eased, food insecurity remains high, and emergency funding has run out. So food banks are scrambling again to shore up funding sources in the face of continued record high need. In June, some food banks were seeing visits back to peak pandemic levels, while the number of volunteers had dwindled. A threat to pop up food pantries in San Francisco, they've become critically important for families worried about where their next meal will come from during the pandemic. Of course, these organizations aren't immune to today's issues. Gas to get food to the distributions, the food itself, all while attempting to meet increased need. The need is just growing. It's continued throughout the pandemic. It seems like the crisis is over, but the crisis is far from over for low-income people. And now cuts are coming to the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, a nonprofit operating food pantries and delivery services to thousands of food insecure households in the Bay Area. In the face of reduced funding and soaring food costs, the food bank is dramatically reducing home delivery service and shutting down its 17 pop-up pantries in San Francisco and Marin over the next two years. Where does that leave clients and people struggling with hunger in the Bay Area? Chronicle reporter Carolyn Saeed is here to tell me more. Carolyn, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Give us a sense of the scale of the impact of this change. How many people does the SF Marin Food Bank serve generally, and how much will this reduce their reach? So currently, the food bank serves about 56,000 households in both San Francisco and Marin. And they're thinking that after this transition, which will take some 20 months, that that will be down to 40,000 households. So that's a significant number of people who are in need, but who will no longer have access to the free food that that helped their families get by. Wow. What demographic is going to be most affected by cuts? Let's start particularly with delivery service. How many, what kind of people need that delivery service who will now no longer get it? Well, it is important to note that if they're no longer getting delivery, they can still hopefully sign up to go get in-person food. During the height of the pandemic, the food bank ramped up its delivery quite a bit because there were so many people who were homebound because they were seniors or immunocompromised or other reasons. So they are no longer going to automatically deliver to seniors and people who have medical issues that might increase COVID issues. They will still deliver to pregnant people, people with children under age one or disabled children and people who are themselves disabled in a way that would make it difficult for them to get to in-person distributions. 
And those in-person distributions are also being reduced. The San Francisco Marin Food Bank's 17 remaining pop-up pantries, they at one point had 27, are going to be shut down. At the height of the pandemic, we were seeing huge lines at these pantries. Some of them were drive throughs and they drew these huge long lines of cars. Have visits dropped off to these centers? There's not the same desperation there was at the beginning. I mean, really, in the first early days of the pandemic, we saw hundreds and hundreds of cars lined up because literally millions of people lost their jobs. There is still a tremendous demand. So the food bank created these pop-up pantries because it's traditional way of distributing food through community pantries run by local social service agencies was jeopardized because those agencies really couldn't do it anymore because they, they had they couldn't have people in person. You know, they had their mm. volunteers or seniors or for whatever reason, a lot of those agencies almost overnight had to stop offering their food pantries. So we, almost overnight, the food bank responded by creating these pop-up pantries outdoors in parking lots and parks and the drive through ones. So again, it's not as huge of a crisis as it was initially, but there's still a tremendous demand and need for help for people who have trouble getting by in the very high-cost Bay Area. Yeah, help me understand, how much of this is in response to changes in the need post-pandemic versus down to costs going up and resources shrinking? Oh, I would say this is almost entirely in response to resources shrinking. It's not that Mm. there is less need. Those 15,000 households that will be cut off do still need the food. It is because during the pandemic, the food bank, like other social service agencies, got a lot of emergency funding from federal, state, and local resources. That funding is now being cut off. Last fiscal year, they had $10 million in emergency grocery funding. The current fiscal year, they have $6 million. Next fiscal year, they will have $0 of that extra funding. So their budget is basically being cut back, and therefore they have no choice but to cut back the services they provide. Food banks also rely on food supplies from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and you write that those have been reduced as well, which translates to higher costs for the food banks. Tell me about that. During the pandemic, USDA had a ver- some really good programs to to help food banks get more food than usual. They were getting something almost 24 million pounds of food at a cost of 73 cents a pound in fiscal year 2021. In the current fiscal year, that's reduced just to one quarter of that to just about six million pounds of food. And the price has gone up to a dollar and six cents a pound. So they're getting hit by all sides from budget cuts and they have to respond. It's not at all that the need has decreased, unfortunately. Consumers have also felt those price increases and financial aid has not kept up. After a break, we'll talk about how food stamps were also cut in recent years. But before we go... The 2024 election cycle is coming up, and that means the local political discourse that's already been heated will only heat up more. To get a better sense of how that's affecting people living in the Bay Area, we'd like to hear from you. Do things feel tense? What are the hot-button issues that you and your family or friends don't agree on? Is it recall elections? Criminal justice reform? Something else? If you've got a story to tell, shoot an email to fifth at sfchronicle.com or give us a call at 415-777-6156. You could end up in a future show. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod 
or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Carolyn Saeed, you just talked about how food banks are seeing increasing costs. We all see that at the grocery store, too. But for many households, financial aid isn't keeping up. Food stamps were increased a lot during the pandemic, but have been cut dramatically. And now the food bank is also cutting back services. The San Francisco Marin Food Bank actually did a survey of its clients, and nearly all the respondents said they worry about running out of food, but worry less because of food bank access. So what does that say about the position that people are in right now in terms of hunger? Right. I mean, that really underscores that there is still such a tremendous need for their services and that these cutbacks are not at all because the need has decreased. They're simply because the money isn't there. It's just a really sad reality. And, you know, another thing they found out in that survey is that 60 percent of the households they surveyed had at least one person who was employed in that household. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the cost of living here is so high that even with a working adult in the household or in some cases it could have been more than one adult, those households still needed help to put food on the table. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of those cutbacks that I just mentioned to food stamps? They're known in California as CalFresh, I believe. How dramatic were those changes? They were quite a bit. During the pandemic, the minimum allocation for food stamps went up to $90 a month, which you know may not sound like a lot. But now it's down to, I believe it's $23 a month, which really is not a lot. It's just so little. And and then the other big issue on food stamps slash CalFresh is that there's a nationwide formula that you can qualify for them if you make 200% of the federal poverty level. But that it's the same poverty level here in San Francisco as it is in, you know, Oklahoma or Mississippi. So there is no no adjustment at all for differing cost of living. And obviously the cost of living here is tremendously higher than elsewhere in the country. So many people here who sh- who technically you know, who, who who are having struggling to get by don't technically qualify because on paper it looks like they make too much money if they make more than 200 percent of the federal poverty level. Yeah. So, Well, I mean, we're talking about people making like $25,000 right. a year. Right. Yeah. 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 What does the food bank say about how this is going to affect its clients? And are they pointing to any alternatives? Is there anywhere they can send people? Well, the food bank all along has been very proactive about trying to help its clients sign up for CalFresh because even, you know, even at the minimal amounts, it's it's still an ongoing source of funds. So in the past year, they've facilitated over 4,000 applications and recertifications for CalFresh, and they said that would result in $11 million in benefits being accessed by its participants. But at a larger macro level, I think what they think would help is having CalFresh expanded, you know, increasing the minimum amount and also changing the criteria to account for cost of living because if more people had access to CalFresh that's you know basically a, it's a, it's like a debit card that you can go and spend at the grocery store on groceries only you can't spend it on liquor or cigarettes or so forth but that's you know a way to help people raise themselves out of poverty so they are hoping that there will be other you know larger social service solutions like that to help their clients And in general, did the folks at the food bank tell you that they're worried about how this will affect people or do they are they pretty confident that folks can weather this change? No, of course they're worried. Yeah. 
But they are hoping, you know, they're they're taking a long time to do this. They're going, you know, it's going to take until June 2025. So their hope is that they can help their community partners ramp up and increase capacity. And maybe some of those community partners can do more fundraising to, to, to supplement what they get from the food bank. You know, so they're they're trying to do it in a very thoughtful and measured way to cushion the impact. But yes, of course, they're concerned about what the impact will be. Speaking of community partners, do you expect to see any programs or help come from the city level to kind of bolster support for people who are food insecure? Well, the mayor did put out a statement, you know, with appreciation for what the food bank has done and and saying that she also believes that it's necessary to develop new approaches to address food insecurity. The city obviously has the same gating factor as the food bank itself, which is money. You know, the the city also received a lot of pandemic era funds that have now sunsetted. And so it and, and at the same time, it's dealing with lots of other issues that have impacted the budget. So the money just is not there. And at the same time as the food bank needs to transition to a more paired back and centralized distribution system, it also has to reduce its staff. How much will the staff be cut by and how does the food bank say that it will accomplish this? So, yeah, unfortunately, the food bank is going to cut its staff by about 20 percent. It has 253 employees now and that will be cut down to a little below 200 over this 20-month period. It's going to do it through attrition, early retirements, and layoffs. And it said it will offer strong severance packages and career support packages. And, you know, it, it, it of course, regrets this and, and pointed out that many people and its staff courageously served on the front lines throughout the pandemic. I mean, they were frontline workers distributing yeah. food to people in need. So. Can you tell me about this moment that we're in in terms of food insecurity and the network of agencies and social services organizations and nonprofits and volunteer groups that are trying to meet that need? It seemed like, you know, almost overnight the need exploded at the beginning of the pandemic and then a lot of effort was made to try and meet that. And now all the resources are just tapering off and the need is persisting is is the food bank kind of like a standout here or is it just part of a larger ecosystem that is struggling i think you're the latter is true i think it's part of a larger ecosystem that is struggling i think overall the social safety net is fraying and during the pandemic congress actually really did step up and allocated billions of dollars to the social safety net and it did really help cushion people and lift some people out of poverty. In fact, the childhood poverty rate declined dramatically during the pandemic, and now it's going back to what it was before because all these temporary stopgap measures really could be used as permanent measures to address poverty, and and they're not going to be, and the money isn't there. So this is just one telling sign of our current reality, which, you know, a very frayed social safety net and at the same time, rising inflation and, and, you know, many other pressures on people. Is it possible that we are at a kind of breaking point or perhaps more optimistically, an inflection point where we'll see our rallying around this critical moment as we did at the start of the pandemic? Well, that would be nice to see. But, um, you know, I've been covering these things for decades and 
there's rallying moments from the people who need it and the people supporting them. But to get rallying moments at the government level is more rare. I mean, it took the crisis of the pandemic to really have a, a you know, a significant government response. And I would be surprised to see that again. Carolyn, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Carolyn Said is an enterprise reporter for The Chronicle. Find her work at sfchronicle.com. The Fifth and Mission team includes executive producer and host Cecilia Lay, producer Keith Manconi, audio engineer Gary Baca, and editor Sarah Feldberg. I'm Laura Wenis. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.